Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The French History Podcast is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts. History, pop culture, news, whatever it is you're looking for, Evergreen has the best of it. Check out their catalog on evergreenpodcasts.com. Seventy-six, Philippe the Amorous. Philippe was born on the twenty-third of May, ten fifty-two, a very low point in Capetian rule. That year, the newborn's father Henri invaded Normandy, only to have his forces crushed. While his father warred futilely against the Northmen. Philippe grew up in the care of his mother and the priests who served as his tutors. Queen Anne of Kiev was determined that her son should receive a proper education, unlike her husband and his forebears. In 1059, Henri fell ill. Fearing death, he crowned his son co-king on his seventh birthday. Henri lingered for another year, before passing on the 4th of August, 1060. Philippe became the sole king of France at the age of eight, the first of the Capetians to ascend as a child. Despite the king's young age, there was no major opposition to his ascendancy. After 73 years, House Capet was finally accepted as the legitimate ruling dynasty. During the youth's minority, his uncle, Baldwin V of Flanders, served as regent. The count was a dutiful mentor for the boy and took him on a tour of the royal domain to familiarize him with the major cities he would rule. While Baldwin was officially in power, Queen Anne was de facto co-regent, with one charter stating that, I, Philippe, assume royal power conjointly with my mother. In fact, Anne may have been even more powerful than Baldwin, as her name appears on many more royal charters than his does. Anne understood that if she wanted to maintain her relevance and protect her son, she would need a powerful ally, which for a woman usually meant a husband. Anne courted Raoul de Crepy, a man who was both powerful in the north and had formally rebelled against Henri I. Naturally, if the queen could get Raoul on the royal's side, it would solidify her son's rule and neutralize a potential enemy. In 1062, Raoul dismissed his wife, Acne, accusing her of adultery. He then married the queen in a political union that secured much of the north for the boy king. Yet, Acne would not accept the slanderous accusations against her. Rather than retreating to a nunnery and awaiting death, 
she traveled to Rome and personally appealed to Pope Alexander II. The Pope arranged for the French clergy to decide Raoul's fate. They ruled that the Count had dismissed his wife without proper cause, and that his relationship with Anne constituted consanguinity, given that Raoul was Henri I's cousin. Raoul refused to accept the decision, prompting the church to excommunicate him. Despite this, Count and Queen exercised considerable power, vying with Baldwin for influence at court. Excommunication was a major, yet not fatal, blow to a person's public standing. Damnation was apparently not a disqualification for politics. Moreover, Anne donated heavily to the church, which helped restore her reputation. If the queen had been excommunicated, her money remained as holy as anyone else's. In 1066, Philippe reached his majority and ruled in his own right. On the 1st of September, 1067, the former regent Baldwin V passed away. Baldwin's son, Baldwin VI, ruled for three years before he died. The Count's death opened up the first major crisis of Philippe's reign when the deceased son, Arnulf III, and brother, Robert the Frisian, each claimed the country. Arnulf appealed to Philippe, who led an army into Flanders. The French joined their Flemish allies, and on the 22nd of February, 1071, fought against the rebel forces. At the Battle of Cassel, Robert ordered a daring cavalry charge, which repulsed his enemies. Philippe's forces withdrew from the field, though they had not suffered great losses. However, Robert's forces managed to kill Arnulf III and capture his mother, Richildis. Despite losing his casus belli, Philippe was determined not to walk away defeated. The French king continued the war and eventually captured Robert. Robert escaped his confinement, but recognized he needed to come to terms. Philippe agreed to recognize Robert as Count of Flanders in exchange for the region of Corby and the release of Richildis. The two cemented the terms when Philippe married Berta of Holland, Robert's stepdaughter. With Flanders in check, Philippe turned his attention to Normandy. During his minority, Duke Guillaume had conquered England, making him the most powerful man in the north. The king of France could not countenance a vassal that was greater than himself and waited for a chance to humble the duke-turned-king. Opportunity arose in 1075 when a cabal of Bretons rebelled against Norman overlordship and seized the fortress at Dole. Guillaume led an army to besiege the fortress, prompting Philippe to relieve the castle. The French dealt the Normans a crushing defeat and seized the spoils of their abandoned baggage train. From then on, Norman influence over Brittany waned. The Norman retreat also meant that Philippe secured the French Vexant, an area which had been hotly contested in his father's time. Philippe supported English rebels with less success. Edgar Aethling, the deposed heir to the English throne, took refuge at Montreuil-sur-Mer, where he rallied a force to invade the island only for it to flounder in a storm. 
What forces did make it to England could not supplant the Normans, and Edgar retreated to Scotland. Philippe's most successful anti-Norman strategy was to turn the Northmen against themselves. By 1077, Guillaume's eldest son, Robert II, called Courtus, or short stockings for his small stature, was 26 years old. Robert wanted power, though Guillaume did not trust his short, fat, and brooding son to rule, which did not help the heir's already dour mood. Things took a decisive turn for the worse when Robert got in a fight with his two younger brothers, Guillaume Leroux and Henri. According to one source, the younger siblings pranked their elder by dumping a chamber pot over his head. The outraged and stinking Robert assaulted his brothers, only for their father to break them apart. Robert demanded the two be punished, but the duke did not think the prank warranted a response. Robert's pride was wounded, and the heir apparent was tired of being the butt of so many jokes. If he was not ready to rebel just yet, Philippe's pledge of support tipped him over the edge. Robert led a force to take Rouen, where he aimed to rule as the Duke of Normandy. Yet, Guillaume arrived and defeated his eldest, forcing him to flee to Flanders, where Count Robert shielded him, with guarantees of support from Philippe, should Guillaume attack. While in exile, Robert raised a new force and seized the fort at Gerberois, 50 kilometers east of Rouen. In January 1071, Guillaume rode out to face his troublesome son. When he arrived, Robert caught him off guard when he led a sortie from the castle. According to the chronicles, Robert unhorsed his father and might have killed him except that he recognized Guillaume's voice and showed mercy. The rebels had won, and the duke cut a bitter retreat back to Rouen to nurse his wounds. While Philippe enjoyed the inter-Norman rivalry, Robert plundered the region so mercilessly that it forced the French king to unite with the duke to stop the errant Norman's brigandage. The two lords brought Robert to heel. On Easter 1080, Guillaume and his son were reconciled. For a time. Somehow, amidst his consistent troublemaking in the north, Philippe managed to find time for the most important business of medieval statecraft. In 1078, Queen Berta gave birth to their first child, a daughter who they named Constance, who later married the Italo-Norman Bohemond and became Princess of Antioch. In late 1081, Berta delivered a boy, the future king Louis VI, who was alternatively known as the Battler or the Fat. The French king supported yet another rebellion by Robert in 1086, while Guillaume was busy across the Channel. In response, the aging king of England and Duke of Normandy returned to press his claim to the Vexant. Philippe infuriated his rival, mocking the man for having grown fat in his old age. It was there that the conqueror fought his last brutal campaign, when, on the 9th of September, 1087, he succumbed to his wounds, 
Guillaume's cross-channel polity died with him, at least for a time. Robert became Duke of Normandy, while Guillaume II became King of England. The division of the conqueror's lands meant that for the first time in decades, the King of France was once again the most powerful person in the kingdom. Moreover, Philippe still had a strong hand to play in Normandy, as Robert considered him his staunchest ally. The Duke of Normandy's trust allowed Philippe to turn him against his brother. Conflict between the two Norman brothers spilled over into the county of Maine. Sandwiched between Anjou and Normandy, Maine had long been a battleground between the two, one which Philippe was looking to take advantage of. In 1089, the barons of Maine revolted against their Norman overlords. Robert was busy fighting his brother and asked Folk IV, Count of Anjou, to subdue the county on his behalf. Folk agreed, but only if Robert allowed him to marry Bertrade of Montfort. Robert agreed, and Folk repudiated his wife to marry Bertrade. Perhaps she should have seen it coming, as Folk had dismissed his previous two wives. Folk was as faithless in marriage as he was in politics. He broke his word to the Duke of Normandy and supported an anti-Norman ruler in Maine. Folk's completely unsurprising treachery was born out of desperation rather than strength. The Count had struggled to hold on to his territory since he first seized it from his brother more than 20 years prior. By 1092, the situation in Normandy stabilized, thanks in part to Philippe providing his ally with military aid. With Guillaume II beat back across the Channel, the King of France marched on Maine. If you believe the medieval chronicles, what happened next was that the sexually insatiable French king abducted Bertrade and forced her to marry him. However, historian Matthew Gabriel casts doubt on this narrative, which comes to us via Abbot Suger of Saint-Denis, one of the monarch's noted enemies. Instead, Gabriel argues that Bertrade actually led peace negotiations between Folk and Philippe. Folk would dismiss Bertrade, at which point Philippe would repudiate his own wife, Berta. Philippe would then marry Bertrade. The marriage would give the French king powerful allies that controlled land across the north, while Bertrade would gain the queenship. In exchange, Philippe would abandon his campaign against the Angevins. The arrangement benefited everyone, except for the mother of Philippe's children. Berta of Holland had little political connections or wealth. She was nearing 40 and was unlikely to produce any more children. Philippe had no more use of Berta, and he dismissed her on the grounds that she had grown fat. There was really a lot of fat shaming in the 11th century. It's especially rich coming from Philippe. As he entered his 40s, he suffered from an unknown illness, which led to him growing remarkably overweight to the point that he struggled to ride a horse. Regardless of who was cheating on their diet, the king had the final say, and he repudiated Berta for Bertrade. 
the French nobility accepted Philippe's second marriage. For the male aristocracy, casting aside old wives for new brides was just a part of the political game. Today's episode is brought to you by Factor. Factor provides fresh, never-frozen, chef-crafted meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Factor includes a variety of plans, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, among others. Factor is perfect for a busy routine, with high-quality, healthy food that fits into your daily schedule. Mouth-watering dishes like chicken and mushroom tetrazzini, cavatappi and Italian-style pork ragu, and artichoke and spinach chicken are all on this week's menu, and you don't want to miss out on those. In addition to savory meals, Factor offers snacks and wellness shots, the latter of which has become a personal favorite of mine. Go to factormeals.com slash frenchhistory50 and use the code frenchhistory50 to get 50% off Factor Meals. That again is factormeals.com slash frenchhistory50 and use the code frenchhistory50. Sign up today. Your stomach will thank you. Raoul de Crepe had put aside his first wife to marry Queen Anne of Kiev, and Folk of Anjou had repudiated four of his five or six wives. Moreover, the majority of French bishops accepted the marriage and upheld it in multiple synods. The French clergy was, after all, part of the aristocracy, as they held secular roles and responsibilities. While the majority of the church tolerated the scandal, a vocal minority condemned the lax morality of the king. These called upon Pope Urban II, who sent a representative to France in 1094. The pope's emissary called upon the king of France to repudiate Bertrade and retake Berta as his wife. Philippe refused and was excommunicated. The following year, at the Council of Clermont, Urban II again proclaimed the king outside of divine favor. Ironically, even as the Pope condemned Philippe's wickedness, the king increased his hold over the French church. His marriage to Bertrade brought the noted monasteries of Marmoutier and Saint-Magloire into his control. Meanwhile, he made Bertrade's brother Bishop of Paris. Medieval Catholic monarchs were then engaged in the investiture controversy, as the popes claimed the right to appoint bishops, even as European kings fought to retain their privileges. Much of the existing French clergy acquired their position through royal patronage, and in turn supported Philippe's right to invest men of the cloth. Those who did not support the king, he deposed. Philippe saw himself as a great patron of religion, as he and his wife made grants to monasteries and churches. He also promoted reforms from Cluny Abbey, which dominated French Catholic theology during this time. Still, excommunication is no laughing matter, and Philippe promised on multiple occasions to dismiss Bertrade. Each time he did, his excommunication was lifted but he never actually cast her aside, and he was re-condemned. 
His excommunication meant that he could not directly engage in the Peace of God or Truce of God movements or in the First Crusade. When he or his wife entered a church, the services stopped, which became a major embarrassment. In one instance, a church at Saint refused to house the queen, at which point Bertrade ordered her guards to break down the doors so her own priests could enter and perform the service. In another notable incident, a church council in Poitiers reaffirmed the excommunication of the king in 1099, prompting the Duke of Aquitaine to barge in with his guard, demanding that they rescind their decision. The situation became heated, and one of the guards threw a rock at a cardinal, only to miss and strike a clerk, killing him. The marriage between Philippe and Bertrade colors the chronicles. This affair gave Philippe the moniker the Amorous, a title which is not at all a compliment. Medieval authors repeatedly demonized the king as lecherous, immoral, and yes, fat and prone to belching. Yet, Philippe remained married to Bertrade for the rest of his life. She bore three of his children. She played an active role as political and religious advisor, whose name appears on numerous charters. Unlike his grandfather, Robert II, Philippe was strong enough to withstand excommunication. The marriage did not even hurt him politically. While the Count of Flanders was not at all pleased at Berta's dismissal, there was little he could do about it, given Philippe's own power and his numerous allies in the north. Speaking of the north, if Philippe had survived his greatest spiritual challenge, his greatest political challenge was always the threat from Normandy. The Norman situation suddenly changed in 1096, when Robert left the duchy to fight in the First Crusade. With Big Brother gone, Guillaume II seized Normandy the following year, reuniting the realm after a decade of separation. Guillaume wanted to prove himself worthy of his namesake and invaded the Vexin, besieging Chamon. Yet Guillaume Roux was no Guillaume le Conquerant, and his forces were mowed down by the defending archers. Then, in 1100, Guillaume died in a hunting accident. Henri, the third of the conqueror's children, seized England, even as Robert returned from the Holy Land and retook Normandy. Neither Robert nor Henri were content with their partial inheritance, and the brothers each supported rebellion in each other's realms. In 1105, open war broke out between the two. On the 28th of September, 1106, Henri's forces won a decisive victory at the Battle of Tonchebray. The Anglo-Normans captured Robert and held him as prisoner in Wiltshire before moving him to Cardiff Castle, where he would remain until his death 28 years later. Henri had reunited England and Normandy, reviving the greatest threat to French royal power. Like most of the early Capetians, Philippe's reign centered on the north. However, his rule marked an important turning point as the monarch extended his power southward. Throughout his reign, 
the king acquired small bits of territory around the royal domain. His most significant southern acquisition was Bourges in the center of France. In 1096, many French lords wanted to go crusading, but could not afford to equip and transport all their men. Odo, the Viscount of Bourges, was one such man, and he turned to Philippe for a loan. Philippe granted the loan, and the Viscount went crusading. When Odo returned, he could not repay the loan, and Philippe seized Bourges, forcing Odo to retire to Cluny Abbey. In 1106, the aging king hosted one of the last people he ever expected to grace his doorstep. Pope Pascal II had fled Italy during the investiture controversy as the Holy Roman Emperor had flexed his military power against his holiness. In desperation, Pascal appealed to Philippe for aid. Luckily for the French monarch, his first wife had recently died, meaning that there was less imperative for him to dismiss his queen. Philippe met Pascal at Nîmes, where the king agreed to cast aside Bertrade in exchange for forgiveness and reacceptance into the church. Pascal accepted, and this time, when Philippe ignored his vow and remained with his wife, his holiness simply bit his tongue. One area that Philippe truly excelled in was administration, a talent he no doubt acquired from his mother and her commitment to education. Philippe developed the French state more than any of his family's predecessors. The king appointed far more prévots, in English provosts, to represent him throughout the kingdom. These royal representatives exercised power in areas that had not been made a fief, thus granting the king power over a much wider area. The prévots were often from the lower nobility, as the monarchy angled to supplant aristocratic power. Philippe also expanded the royal household staff. As historian Jim Bradbury writes, we now find an arch-chancellor, chancellors, seneschals, chamberlains, butlers, and constables, as well as a royal chapel staffed by clerks in the king's service. Philippe was in poor health in his old age. He was morbidly obese, he suffered from scabies, a rash caused by mites that burrow under the skin, and he had rotten teeth, which gave him horrible toothaches. On the 29th of July, 1108, he passed away of an unknown illness. Unlike most rulers of France, he was not buried at Saint-Denis because its abbot condemned his marriage to Bertrade. His body was instead interred at Fleuret. Medieval chroniclers depict Philippe the Amorous as a paragon of sin. They condemned him as gluttonous, impious, and above all, lustful. For centuries, this view predominated. However, modern historians have been far kinder to the French king. Philippe succeeded in virtually every facet of rulership. He significantly expanded his power by seizing important territory in all directions. He divided and defeated his enemies. He developed savvy political alliances, which made him much stronger than any prior capation. 
he expanded the bureaucracy, ordering and coordinating his new territories. He maintained control over the church, even in the face of repeated excommunication. He patronized monasteries and spread Cluniac reforms. He married his daughter to Beaumont, and she became a Middle Eastern princess. When he died, he was able to pass all his territory to his son, Louis VI, rather than dividing his inheritance. This last act is extremely important, as it meant power remained in the hands of the monarch. If the measure of a king is whether he left behind a stronger kingdom than he inherited, then Philippe was a successful king. Like his father Henri, Philippe's triumphs have been often overlooked, while his faults were exaggerated. Under Philippe, the French monarchy finally went on the offensive and successfully asserted its power across the kingdom it claimed to rule. As always, donations keep the podcast going, so if you would like to make a one-time donation or become a patron, please consider doing so. Thank you very much for your continued support. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.